Welcome to Reading the One Year Bible Together, a daily podcast that runs Monday through Saturday. My name is Bryce Tomlinson, and I'll be joined by Sherry Atanasal and on occasion, my lovely wife, Julie. If you don't have a one-year Bible, you can get a reading plan at oneyearbibleonline.com. There's a link in the description of this video on Facebook and as well as the show notes of our podcast. This podcast is recorded from Jitsi, where we do our live streams daily. Details can be found in the show notes as well as on our Facebook page. You're welcome to read out of whichever version of the Bible that you like best. We just happen to use the World English Bible because it's public domain. And as such, this podcast and its corresponding live stream are also public domain. You're welcome to download them and re-upload them anywhere that you see fit, anywhere that you think that the Word of God is needed. We feel like that's pretty much everywhere, so you should totally do that. And even if you can't, you can still hit that share button, share this on your timeline, share this on your Facebook, your Twitter feed, your TikTok, or wherever you think that people ought to be getting into the Bible. In the show notes, you'll find links to PayPal and Patreon, where you can show your support and contribute to the improving of our audio quality and the audio gear that we use to record these podcasts and live streams. Thanks for joining us, and here we go. Today is August 3rd, and that means it is day 215 of the one-year Bible. Day 215 is going to start us out in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. So if you want to get turned there, Sherry, would you like to pray for us this morning? I sure will. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for the precious riches that we can find within these pages as we read. I pray that you would give us discernment and an open mind to hear what you have for us, what you have, not what other things are going on. Help us to focus on you, and I pray that you would bless everybody that's listening to this podcast today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we are starting out in Second Chronicles chapter 33, starting in verse 14. Now after this, he built an outer wall to David's city on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entrance at the fish gate. He encircled Ophel with it and raised it up to a very great height, and he put valiant captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. He took away the foreign gods and the idol out of Yahweh's house and all the altars that he had built in the mountain of Yahweh's house and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city. He built up Yahweh's altar and offered sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving on it and commanded Judah to serve Yahweh, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed in the high places, but only to Yahweh their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer to his God and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of Yahweh, the God of Israel, behold, they are written among the acts of the kings of Israel, his prayer also, and how God listened to his request and all his sin and his trespass, and the places in which he built high places, and set up the Asherah poles, and the engraved images before he humbled himself. Behold, they are written in the history of Hosai. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Ammon his son reigned in his place. Ammon was twenty-two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. He did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, as did Manasseh his father. 
And Amon sacrificed to all the engraved images which Manasseh his father had made, and served them. He didn't humble himself before Yahweh, as Manasseh his father had humbled himself. But this same Ammon trespassed more and more. His servants conspired against him and put him to death in his own house. But the people of the land killed all those who had conspired against King Ammon, and the people of the land made Josiah his son king in his place. And now we continue with Second Chronicles chapter 34, starting in verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned thirty-one years in Jerusalem. He did that which was right in Yahweh's eyes, and walked in the ways of David his father, and didn't turn away to the right hand or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father, and in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places, the Asherah poles, the engraved images, and the molten images. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and he cut down the incense altars that were on high above them. He broke the Asherah poles, the engraved images, and the molten images in pieces, made dust of them, and scattered it on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars, and purged Judah and Jerusalem. He did this in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon even to Naphtali, around in their ruins. He broke down the altars, beat the Asherah poles and the engraved images into powder, and cut down all the incense altars throughout all the land of Israel, then returned to Jerusalem. Now, in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, Maasiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Joahaz, the recorder, to repair the house of Yahweh his God. They came to Hilkiah, the high priest, and delivered the money that was brought into God's house, which the Levites, the keepers of the threshold, had gathered from the hands of Manasseh, Ephraim, of all the remnant of Israel of all Judah and Benjamin, and of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They delivered it into the hands of the workmen who had the oversight of Yahweh's house, and the workmen who labored in Yahweh's house gave it to mend and repair the house. They gave it to the carpenters and to the builders to buy cut stone and timber for couplings and to make beams for the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. The men did the work faithfully. Their overseers were Jahath and Obadiah, the Levites of the sons of Merari, and Zechariah and Meshulam of the sons of the Kohathites, to give direction, and others of the Levites, who were all skillful with musical instruments. Also they were over the bearers of burdens, and directed all who did the work in every kind of service. Of the Levites there were scribes, officials, and gatekeepers. When they brought out the money that was brought into Yahweh's house, Hilkiah the priest found the book of Yahweh's law given by Moses. Hilkiah answered Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in Yahweh's house. So Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. Shaphan carried the book to the king, and moreover brought back word to the king, saying, All that was committed to your servants, they are doing. They have emptied out the money that was found in Yahweh's house, and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers, and into the hand of the workmen. Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has delivered me a book. Shaphan read from it to the king. When the king had heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. The king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Abdon the son of Micah, Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah the king's servant, 
saying, Go inquire of Yahweh for me, and for those who are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book that is found. For great is Yahweh's wrath that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept Yahweh's word to do according to all that is written in this book. So Hilkiah and those whom the king had commanded went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokath, the son of Hasra, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke to her to that effect. She said to them, Yahweh, the God of Israel, says, Tell the man who sent you to me, Yahweh says, Behold, I will bring evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath is poured out on this place, and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of Yahweh, you shall tell him this, Yahweh, the God of Israel, says, about the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and have humbled yourself before me, and have torn your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says Yahweh. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes won't see all the evil evil that I will bring on this place and on its inhabitants. They brought back this message to the king. Then the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to Yahweh's house with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites, and all the people, both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in Yahweh's house. The king stood in his place and made a covenant before Yahweh to walk after Yahweh and to keep his commandments, his testimonies, and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. He caused all who were found in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand. The inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah took away all the abominations out of all the countries that belonged to the children of Israel and made all who were found in Israel to serve, even to serve Yahweh their God. All his days they didn't depart from following Yahweh, the God of their fathers. And now we are going into the New Testament. We are now in Romans chapter 16, starting in verse 10. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them of the household of Narcissus, who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Greet Persis, the beloved, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, the chosen in the Lord, and his mother, and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Phiologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The assemblies of Christ greet you. Now I beg you, brothers, look out for those who are causing the divisions and occasions of stumbling, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and turn away from them. For those who are such don't serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by their smooth and flattering speech they deceive the hearts of the innocent. 
innocent, for your obedience has become known to all. I rejoice, therefore, over you, but I desire to have you wise in that which is good, but innocent in that which is evil. And the God of peace will quickly crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my relatives. I, Tertius, who write the letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host and host of the whole assembly, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you, as does Quartus, the brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Next, we are going back into the Old Testament. We are in Psalm 26, starting in verse 1. Judge me, Yahweh, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted also in Yahweh without wavering. Examine me, Yahweh, and prove me. Try my heart and my mind, for your loving kindness is before my eyes. I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with deceitful men, neither will I go in with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, so I will go about your altar, Yahweh, that I may make the voice of thanksgiving to be heard and tell of all your wondrous deeds. Yahweh, I love the habitation of your house, the place where your glory dwells. Don't gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands is wickedness, the right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity, redeem me, and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place, and the congregations, I will bless Yahweh. Lastly, we finish with Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore, don't keep company with him who opens wide his lips. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for your word and thank you for this time. And I just pray, Lord, that these truths that we read will touch hearts and change minds and change lives for your kingdom and for your glory. Lord God, I would like to lift up all of those who are struggling with the loss of a loved one. I pray for those who have lost spouses, kids, moms, Lord God, and I just pray for your overwhelming peace and comfort and sense of your presence to be with them as they go through this time. Each one processes grief differently, and I pray that these people would not isolate themselves and keep themselves from fellowship, but rather would reach out and go and be with other like-minded people, Lord, who can bring them comfort and, and even a tiny bit of joy in amidst the, the sadness that they have to deal with. And I pray for issues that come up when someone passes away of estates and property and things like that, Lord. And I just pray that you would smooth things and make a way that the grief would not be piled upon, Lord, with all of that type of thing, Lord, but they could just be able to grieve in a healthy way and not worry about the other stuff. I just thank you, Lord. I lift up those who have cancer. I lift up my mom. I lift up Lawrence and Richard, and I just pray for your healing touch on their bodies, Lord God. I pray that you would heal the cancer cells. I also lift up those who have heart issues, Lord. I lift up Ralph and George. I lift up Bryce. I lift up Sue and Stephanie and Bryce's dad, and I pray that you would make that muscle work the way you designed it to, Lord without any flaws or hiccups or defects, but just work the way that it is supposed to, Lord God, and heal what's been damaged, heal the other organs that have been damaged because of that, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, that that you've created us fearfully and wonderfully made in your image, Lord God. Father, I would like to lift up those who have had strokes, Lord. I pray for Rudy, that you would heal him. I pray for Bryce's mom and sister, Lord, that you would allow them to have full function again in whatever way the stroke, and whatever the stroke took away, Lord God, I just pray that you would restore that, that you would allow them to talk, to move, to walk, to 
think the right way, Lord, to just have full function again, Lord God. You are the great physician, and we pray that you would just touch their bodies and heal their minds right now. Lord, I just pray for Chris's Guillain-Barre syndrome, and I pray you continue to heal that. I pray for Bryce and Richard and their tremors, Lord God, that you would heal their bodies and at least, Lord, move forward in the doctors helping them to figure out what it is wrong and what is causing it, Lord. It can be so many things, just dozens and dozens and dozens of things, Lord, and you know. So I pray that you would give revelation and bring healing. Father God, I pray for those with broken bones. I pray for Bryce's dad. I pray for Loretta, and I pray that you would continue to heal what has been broken and, and that you would restore the bones to a healthy condition, Lord, and allow them to have full use, Lord, of the parts that are broken, Lord. And I just thank you for that. I lift up our couples that we've been praying for, those that we know by name, those that we don't, but we have suspicions of. And I pray, Lord God, that you would do a work in these couples' lives, Lord, that you would help them to lay down the altar of self, lay down addictions, lay down strongholds, lay down sinful attitudes, Lord God, and that you would just break through barriers and you would work in a way that would restore these marriages to be a healthy model of what you would have marriage to be. Because we need those in this world, Lord God, as the world turns against marriage more and more. It is your institution instituted by you for your glory, Lord God. And I just pray that you would heal the damage that's been done by abusive or neglectful spouses, I pray that you would um, bring humbleness to both sides of the couple, Lord, and bring a restoration that points to you and only you, Lord. I lift our youth up to you, particularly a couple, and I just pray, Lord, that you would help them supernaturally see that what the world promises, while fun for a while, ends up being an enslavement and an entrapment to sin, Lord God, and that in the end it is not fun. They will never be content. They will never have peace. They will always be restless without you, Lord God. And I just pray sooner rather than later, Father God, that you would bring them back to you or bring them to you if they don't know you, that you would woo them, win them over with your loving kindness, and they would see that you are a Father God who loves them more than anybody, and that what you want for them and what you have for them is the best, most joyful place they could possibly be. So I just ask, Lord, that you would restore these kids, these young adults. Thank you, Lord God, for your evangelists and your teachers, and I pray you would continue to strengthen them, give them boldness, give them courage, give them rest in times when they can't have it, Lord God, and continue to lead them and guide them that they would speak your truth in hostile places and in different places and apathetic places, Lord, and that, that that truth spoken would win hearts over for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for our first responders, and I just pray your safety on each and every one of them. I pray for wisdom to know when to move forward, when to speak, when to use more aggressive means, when to restrain, Lord God. And I just pray more than anything that these men and women out there putting their lives on the line for us would come to know you, Lord God, before anything bad would happen that they could testify to you. And I pray for their families that you would bless them also, Lord God. Father, I also just want to lift Israel up to you. They are your chosen people, your beloved, yet they are the root of who we are, not the root, but the branches, and we've been grafted in. And I just pray you would help them to see Jesus as their Messiah, who they are in him, Lord God, that he is the one they're waiting for. And I just lift all of these things up to you and I ask in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I noticed that we have a bunch of new listeners to our podcast on Spotify. I welcome you to this journey that we've been on for the last three years. And mm-hmm. I want to welcome any of you. If you just heard us praying, if you have prayer requests, please do 
message us. You can message us on Facebook. You can message us here on Spotify or on mm-hmm. your favorite podcast app. You can leave comments and uh, we do try to respond as much as possible. And we will promptly add you to our prayer request list if uh, if we get contacted by you. So please yes. do so. Uh, the best way to do it would be to go straight to Facebook, to our Facebook page and message mm-hmm. us there. That would be the most effective way to get in a prayer request to us. It's also probably the most private way to do it. Yes. You're more than welcome. We covet your prayers for us. We pray for anybody who needs prayer. Yes, we do. We are glad you're here. So I find this kind of interesting. Manasseh is, um, he's trying to do what's right as far Mm -hmm. as he can tell for Israel and to bring them up in the ways of God. And and he's taking away the foreign gods and the idol. I know. But this kind of jumped out at me. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed in the high places, but only to Yahweh their God. Right. And they were and only we, supposed to sacrifice in the temple. That's mm-hmm. really the only place where sacrifices were supposed to happen. It was supposed to happen a certain way. This is typical for mankind to try to adapt faith in God to their own traditions, which right. most of the time, almost 100% of the time, are mm-hmm. rooted in paganism. Exactly. Which people don't really want to hear that. <laughs> they just... Yeah keep doing their thing and not realizing where the root of it actually is. But then I wonder if these people were completely aware of what they were supposed to do because it comes down, you know, years later when Josiah, they found Moses's book and read it. And it was almost like they hadn't had it in a long time, hadn't heard it, hadn't seen it. And they weren't aware of what was in it because when they read it, Josiah tore his clothes. So I wonder if these people earlier here in this history didn't fully remember or know what they were supposed to do. Nevertheless, God's been known pretty well for, you know, making excuses for people's bad behavior. <laughs> yeah. And I'm never sarcastic. Ever. So this is interesting and it's historic. It's it, it's common in all all political ecosystems that when one ruler leaves the throne or leaves office, the next person that comes in will be the polar opposite. <laughs> and Ammon is a great example of that. Yes. So his father's 180 didn't seem to do any good to him. He just went right back with the evil and got worse because it says more and more. I wonder if this is a statement to to us about how, okay, so I shared that video on Facebook about the comfy, wumpy, cozy, rosy church, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, the the pastor says, pray. The the apostles and the prophets prayed like crazy and look what that got, look where that got them, right? And, <laughs> right. and it's meant to be a statement of how cynical the church is really. Mm-hmm. I think that that Manasseh, in in all his acts of evil, there was a certain set of rewards with that, you know, reward yeah. the flesh. Mm-hmm. Sin is fun. Uh, sin is self-gratifying. Mm-hmm. And Ammon may have seen that as, well, that's just as good as the alternative, apparently, because in the end, my dad prayed like crazy and look where that got him. He's still dead. Right. Let's eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, it doesn't say that, but I do wonder if that's the case a lot of times. Something to think about and pray about. How many times do we see it in real life where someone comes to faith 
at some point in their life, sometimes earlier, but sometimes later. And family members observe this person. They were always a good person. They were a fantastic example of a community member, an upstanding member of their community, an upright person in every imaginable way, both to men and to God, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, And they died. They died of some horrible disease. Right. How often does that make people who see that, even people of faith, how often does it make people cynical about faith? Say, look what it got them. That that person was the best person you could have ever met. Mm-hmm. And look what happened to them. Unfortunately, I think that happens far too often because we associate right behavior with right, with our in our minds, right results. And right. they're not necessarily connected because we all live in a sinful fallen world. So just because, you know, Bobby Joe over there served the Lord for 30 years and was a great role model doesn't mean he's not going to be susceptible to a horrific cancer that eats his body up because he lives in a sinful fallen world just like we all do. But we tend to not see that because we always want to blame. Why did this bad thing happen to this good person? We want to blame blame something or somebody for that quote unquote bad thing. And Jesus says, hey, there's all these people over here and the roof fell in on those guys. Do you think Mm -hmm. that they were more evil than the rest of you? Right. Uh, No. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Yep. To be fair, if you read the Bible at all and you Mm -hmm. saw the way the apostles and the prophets were, were, were treated. Yes. It's a miracle that you can ever be convinced that faith in Jesus is the way to go. Exactly. (laughs) And that's always a good thing to point to when somebody's cynical and says, you know, well, Jesus didn't really exist. These guys were just making it up or he really died and didn't come back or whatever. And I'm like, well, they were following a myth and they knew it was a myth. They would not have suffered and died proclaiming the truth. They would have turned back on it. The work of the Holy Spirit is amazing. And I think sometimes we don't give him enough credit in the Trinity. I love Josiah. Mm-hmm. He broke the Asherah poles, the engraved images, and the molten images in pieces, made mm-hmm. dust of them, and scattered it on the graves of those who sacrificed to them. <laughs> That's awesome. He burned the bones of the priest on their altars and purged Judah and Jerusalem, made an example of everybody. Josiah is making a an outward statement about paganism in Israel. Yes, he's putting feet to his belief. Not only that, but he's kind of putting up a lit up billboard. Mm-hmm. So imagine what these graves and people in Israel would visit these graves. Mm-hmm. Imagine what an attention getter this would be. Molten images, engraved images. So you have, you know, golden idols and silver idols and right. bronze idols that people have crafted and they're ground up into dust and sprinkled over the top of these graves along with pieces of wood and 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 it must be kind of a spectacle in a graveyard. Yeah, yes, it would be. Where really you should just be seeing dirt and maybe grass, not shiny things. <laughs> Fairy dust. <laughs> yeah. Does a why would why did why would anybody go around these graves and glitter bomb them? Yeah, exactly. When it wasn't a quick thing either. It says he started purging the 12th year and he completed in the 18th year. So this was a six-year process. And that had to have been a massive amount of idols and Asherah poles. I think it's great that Hilkiah brings this book, or Shafan brings this book. Hilkiah gives it to Shafan. Shafan brings it to the king and reads this to the king. And the king immediately has a visceral response to hear 
what the word of God says. And the, and the book that he's reading is about this place. Mm-hmm. You imagine you, you read a book and it's a, it's about your house. Right. It would disturb you. He has this immediate humbling experience and his reaction to it is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And God responds to that. God responds to Josiah having the appropriate reaction to his word. Yes, because God saw his heart. He wasn't just what was on the outside. He saw that what was he was doing on the outside matched what his heart was feeling. What his He was like, oh boy, this is bad. Go speak to Yahweh for me. There's this bit in Romans 16 where Paul is saying, I beg you, brothers, look out for those who are causing the divisions and occasions of stumbling, contrary to the doctrine which you learned, and turn away from them. So he is talking about a couple of types of people, people who are quibbling over doctrine, people who are causing separations. You'll see it often in a church where someone will be accused of being a Calvinist or an old earther or something and right. seeking to take and draw a number of people away from the church or away from a pastor. Mm-hmm. Church split after church split has been over this kind of thing. And then occasions of stumbling. He's talking about people who who are in sin and are sharing about their sin and their conquests and mm-hmm. things that they should be dealing one-on-one with a sponsor or someone who is trying to help them in yes. a recovery process, the, the mm-hmm. next steps to becoming healed from childhood trauma or a history of addiction or addictive behavior or codependent behavior. They should right. be dealing one-on-one with a, with a sponsor who is helping them to learn how to walk upright. Just like mm-hmm. Ellen comes out of prison and now how do they function in real life, right? Right. You're captive to sin and now we are going to be bond servants to Christ. What does that look like? How do we learn how to do that? We need to be with someone closely that is mm-hmm. teaching us how to do that. Paul did that with Timothy. Right. Yeah, but they're doing the exact opposite. They're out there bragging about it. and Yeah. And they're bringing in front of people occasions of stumbling. And what that means mm-hmm. is this is a person who is acting out in their sin and they're flaunting it or or at least exposing and speaking about it, exposing mm-hmm. it to other people who are in the church who are trying to walk upright. And temptation right. is real to everyone. Don't care who you are. Temptation is real to everyone. And everyone is subject to some form of temptation. Jesus was and so are you. Exactly. Yes. And so they are bringing that into the church and exposing other people to something that could cause them to trip up. And this person who's doing that may or may not be saved. And Paul is calling that out. He's saying, for those who mm-hmm. are such don't serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. That could even be something as as subtle as gossip and backstabbing of other people in the church, too. It doesn't have to be a big old sin like, oh, I'm going to go get drunk after church. Who's going with me? It can be a, you know, backbiting and talking about people and seeing bad things that aren't true or you don't know if it's true, spreading gossip. I think that can uh, fall I'm into that category, too. I'm going to be straight and I'm going to say that would fall under the divisions part mm-hmm. and the occasions stumbling is pretty specifically I think it's yeah. almost always what I was just talking about right bringing your addictive or acting out or letting your old mm-hmm. man freak flag fly in the church and yeah 
other people are seeing that and they're saying, hey, he's a Christian and he does that. Why can't I? Yep, exactly. I agree. So it covers being the subtle stuff and the in-your-face stuff and then that one sentence. Mm -hmm. There's divisiveness and then there's straight up leading people into sin. Mm -hmm. There was a man in our neighborhood. His name was Erastus. He was a guy who went around mowing lawns and doing odd jobs for people in the neighborhood. People would hire him to to go mow their lawn or trim their hedges or, or fix a window or something. And yeah. his name was Erastus. Uh, I realized later in life that he was a Christian and oh. did not know what his name meant. And now, mm -hmm. see, he was the treasurer of the city. I would find that to be very suitable for this particular guy because there wasn't a single <laughs> person in in the town that uh, wasn't giving him money, and uh, there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't a single person <laughs> in town that didn't think highly of him. That's great. Well, what's your game plan today? I am not sure. It's dependent on Andy's work schedule. Amanda has um, coaching and then no gi today, so I may or may not have to take her. Other than that, it's around the house stuff. I'm just decluttering in bits and pieces and cleaning as I can with my back and my stiff hand. So that's that's the main thing. There isn't really anything else big planned. How about you? So Amanda doesn't have any clarified butter today? <laughs> nope. No clarified butter. The clarified butter classes are Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Got it. <laughs> Some folks will get that, maybe. Mm -hmm. Probably not. Some will not. <laughs> I have video editing going on, and I may or may not find a karaoke venue to explore tonight. It has been a while for you guys. Yeah, it has been. It's been like two and a half months since we've done any kind of karaoke. Are you suffering withdrawal? Not so much. Karaoke? Okay. That's not a bad thing. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Sherry, for reading along with me each day. God bless you guys. Thank you. We'll be back again tomorrow for our actually really short and sweet uh, <laughs> podcast tomorrow. So join us tomorrow live in Jitsi around 10-ish or so-ish Pacific time. And then later on in the day on the podcast, have a great day. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.